Hi, I'm Leslie Moody, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today I'm going to be continuing my series on personal life lessons, and this is a series where I just share some of the most significant experiences that I've had in my Christian life and the important spiritual truths that God has taught me or is still teaching me through those experiences. And I hope and pray that these truths and these stories will encourage you with what you might be walking through today. If you haven't caught the first two episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen to those as you have time because I'm sharing things that I learned my first year of marriage, early in ministry, and today we're going to specifically talk about dealing with hurtful Christians, believers who treat us in an ungodly or insensitive way. And I know this is a struggle for so many Christian women, and I know for me, it's been one of the biggest struggles throughout my years as a Christian as well. So I want to share with you some of my experience in that area and what God has taught me and is still teaching me about dealing with hurtful Christians. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know about a couple of really powerful resources. If you don't already subscribe to our Set Apart magazine, this is a beautiful resource that has no ads. It is just rich, spiritual, powerful truth for women of every age. It comes out four times a year, and it's a great addition to your daily quiet time or your Bible studies. It's a great way to share the Set Apart message with other women in your life because it is just beautifully designed and very fun to read through and yet so rich with scriptural truth. So you can go to setapartgirl.com to learn more about how to become a digital or a print subscriber or just click the link in this podcast description. There's also an online mentoring program that you can join which has over 100 hours of video teaching on topics like dealing with social media and all the temptations that come with social media today or overcoming fear or becoming a Christ-centered friend. There's courses on marriage and motherhood. So I hope you'll check that out. It's a great way to take all of these truths that you're hearing in this podcast even deeper and make them even more practical. Again, go to setapartgirl.com and click on mentoring or just click the link in this podcast description. So let's talk about dealing with hurtful Christians. This is a very personal message for me because probably some of the deepest pain that I've experienced in my life has been through the hurtful attitudes and insensitive actions of other Christians in my life. When Eric and I stepped into ministry, as I shared in a previous episode, we really had no idea what we were getting into, and we weren't really prepared for the hypocrisy that we saw within the church and Oftentimes, some of the most difficult experiences that we walked through early in our Christian walk didn't come from seeing the ungodly behavior of non-believers, but seeing the ungodly behavior of men and women calling themselves Christians and proclaiming to be followers of Christ. And seeing that kind of double standard was very difficult for me as a young Christian. As I shared in the last episode, one of the things that was most hurtful to me in my early years of ministry was being constantly criticized from other Christians. I wasn't really prepared for that, but the moment that Eric and I stepped into ministry, the moment we had any kind of public platform, it was like people within the church just felt completely free to nitpick and criticize and try to change all these things about us. And a lot of times they would really target me as the woman, maybe because the enemy knew that he could use the words of other Christians, the hurtful words of other Christians to discourage me, probably more than Eric. Eric can handle criticism a lot better than I can. I don't know if it's a male-female thing or a personality thing, but he usually just lets it roll like water off a duck's back. But for me, I take it 
internally. And it's something I really have to wrestle through in order to gain clear perspective. So as a young Christian, I was in my early 20s when Eric and I started in full-time ministry. People would come up to me after speaking events. And of course, there were so many words of encouragement and words of just exhortation that, that was very edifying. But often there would be those people who would kind of wait in the shadows until the the positive comments had died down and they would find me. And then they would just start bringing out a critical attitude. I had people tell me that I was very cold and hard toward Eric and how I acted around him in public. I had other people tell me I was way too affectionate and touchy-feely with my husband and I was going to create a distraction for other people. And so I just couldn't please anybody. And what was funny is I don't think I was either one. I don't think I was overly affectionate, nor was I cold and hard. I think it was just people, people had weird perceptions or they caught a funny moment or they just misread situations. Again, this wasn't widespread. It was not like I had thousands of people saying this, but just those few that would come to the surface would be really difficult for me. Sometimes somebody would nitpick something I said, maybe they misunderstood something I said from the stage. And you know, would give me a five minute sermon about how it was wrong and unbiblical, and not really even giving me a chance to clarify anything. So it was difficult. I remember one time, this was probably three years into our ministry where we were traveling and speaking, and I was already really struggling with just hypocrisy within the church, just seeing uh, up close and personal behind the scenes of, of Christian leaders and becoming disillusioned. And then a pastor called us up. We didn't know him very well, but we had spoken in his church and he wanted to confront us. This was probably a year after we had been in his church and he had perceived a situation sitting from the very back of the church that he thought I had been disrespectful to Eric publicly, which nothing could be further from the truth. And even Eric was telling him, no, I that was not what Leslie meant. That's not what she did. I was not disrespected. I know her very well, and I know that would never have been her intention. I think you misread the situation. But this man just would not listen to anything that we said. And he, he began to tell me that I needed counseling, that I probably had unresolved issues with my father, and that I he knew that I was a very disrespectful wife. And it just went on and on. to the realm of just absolutely ridiculous because he didn't know anything about us except for the one night we had been at his church and he didn't even give us a chance to talk. I remember hanging up the phone after that phone call and just throwing myself across my bed and crying inconsolably. I was so hurt that a pastor would be that insensitive to a young woman in her 20s. I was just really trying to be obedient to what God had called me to do seeking to be an example of Christ and yet feeling like the Christians around me were very harsh. Now, again, that was my perception because it was very easy for me to fixate on the negative rather than the hundreds of positive, amazing letters and encouragement that we did get from people. So I don't want to make it sound like we were just surrounded only by negative, hurtful Christians. It's just that there was a lot of that in those early years, and it it really was a struggle for me. I was having a hard time getting clear, heavenly perspective. A number of years later, we kind of had gotten out of that that phase where we were being constantly criticized, but we began to walk through false accusation. And sometimes the people who were falsely accusing us were those we had loved and prayed for and invested in and sacrificed for. And then suddenly the enemy would get in there and twist something in their minds and they would accuse us of terrible things. Eric was accused of being unfaithful to me. We were accused of 
just all sorts of things that were the opposite of what we who we were and what we stood for. And it, it didn't seem to matter how much we told them you're wrong, you're misunderstanding, you're misperceiving, these words are not true. It was like they were they were being fueled and propelled by the enemy to stir up trouble in our lives. And a lot of times looking back, those that falsely accused us within the church, it was often because they had a spiritual breach in their own life. I remember one specific situation, a young woman that we had discipled just suddenly began to to falsely accuse us of all sorts of terrible things. And I, I was praying about it one day and I felt like God just sort of nudged me to look a little deeper into where she was at in her spiritual life. And as we poked at that, we recognized that she was in an immoral relationship. And because of this immoral relationship, she had just wanted to lash out at anybody who held a higher standard. And that's where the false accusation was coming from. So a lot of times it was coming from someone's personal breach, personal issue where the enemy had gotten in there and they were just lashing out at us because maybe we stood for something that they didn't really want to embrace at the moment. And yet that was something that didn't make the false accusation easier to walk through, even though God began to reveal to us, it's not always just random and out of the blue. A lot of times there is a breach in someone's life that is bringing this false accusation to the the surface. But meanwhile, I was dealing with all of the emotion and all of the pain of that. Now, walking through criticism and the hurtful behavior of other Christians isn't something that Eric and I just experienced in the first few years of our ministry. It's actually something that we continually face because it goes with the territory of being in Frontline's Christian ministry. For me, it's been an act of surrender to accept the platform that God has given me and the criticism that comes along with it. Because a lot of times I've been tempted to try to convince Eric we should change our names and leave the country and live a completely obscure life to get away from the hurtful attitude of other Christians that we experience just from being in public ministry. Dealing with difficult Christians who don't understand what we're facing, what we're walking through, or who sin issues in their own life propel them to lash out at us. That is something we've dealt with for years. And 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 dealing with Christians who behave in an arrogant or demeaning or insensitive way, this has been one of the greatest tests of my soul, one of the most difficult and deep struggles I have ever faced and continue to face as a Christian. A lot of times what Eric and I have faced as far as insensitivity from other believers are from people who have never been in leadership and never really carried the weights that we are carrying. It's made me a lot more sensitive not to just take pot shots at other people because oftentimes you don't really know what it's like to be in their shoes. And it's really easy to criticize from a distance rather than saying, Lord, give me a heart for that person. A lot of times, years later, once people who have have been hurtful towards us or criticized us have been through their own test of faith or been put into a position of leadership and experienced the battle that goes with that territory, they'll come back and apologize for not offering more grace and understanding or not being Christ-like towards us. And that is an incredible blessing, and it just shows the redemption of God. But of course, that doesn't make it easier to deal with it in the moment when you are face-to-face with a difficult, insensitive, hurtful Christian. Now, maybe you're not in a position of ministry or leadership or dealing with critical false accusation from other Christians, but chances are you have faced difficult people within the church that have really tested your ability to respond in a loving and Christ-like way. 
Corey Ten Boom talked in her book about how the hardest people that she ever had to forgive were not her persecutors in the German concentration camp. It wasn't even the man who betrayed her family and caused the death of several of her family members. It wasn't the prison guard who came and asked her to forgive him after the war had ended and her sister had lost her life in that concentration camp. All of those were amazing stories of God giving her the power to forgive where she couldn't forgive in her own strength. But she said the hardest people to forgive were Christian friends who hurt her much later in her Christian walk, long after she had gotten out of the concentration camp, long after the war was over. And she had forgiven all of those persecutors that she faced during the war. She had a Christian couple who just behaved in a very hurtful and insensitive way towards her. She doesn't give a lot of details of what they did in her book, but I can I can relate to what she's talking about. And she really struggled for years where she would think, I've forgiven these people, but then in the middle of the night, it would all come back to her. And she was just, just wallowing in hurt. How could my friends, those who call themselves Christians, my brother and sister in Christ, how could they behave in such an ungodly way? It wasn't until many years later when a friend of hers challenged her to burn a letter that, that this couple had written to her that was sort of like her proof of what they had done against her. She said, you know, I've forgiven them, but if they ever say that they didn't actually hurt me. I have the proof of it right here in this letter. And this friend said, you need to burn that because as long as you're holding on to this letter, you're holding on to what they did to you. And so as an act of obedience, as an act of fully letting it go and laying that offense at Jesus' feet, she burned this letter, that that evidence of their hurt against her, and she was set free. But it was really interesting to me to realize that the biggest struggle with forgiveness she ever had was not the the Germans, the, the Nazis that so persecuted her family. It was fellow Christians who hurt her later in her Christian walk. And that's something that I can, I can relate to. There's another story from Biddy and Kathleen Chambers. That's the wife and the daughter of Oswald Chambers. It wasn't long after he had died in his forties on the, on the front lines during the first world war, just pouring out his life for the gospel. And he left Biddy, a widow and, and a young daughter that she was struggling to raise. And she was spending all of her time serving other people and not asking for a dime for herself and then compiling all of Oswald Chambers' words and sermons into books that she could share with Christians around the world. So she was living a very poured out life and raising a young daughter. And these well-to-do arrogant Christians would come and just dump off their old clothes saying, oh, we just want to do a kind work towards this, you know, this family that has lived this poured out life. And her young daughter, Kathleen, would get so upset when she would see these torn and ragged clothes and say, how can they treat us this way? These are fellow Christians. Instead of sharing what they have with us, they're just giving us things that they don't even want. Now, I can feel the sting of that scenario, even though I've never been in that particular scenario myself, just the insensitivity of Christians one to another. It's very sad that this happens within the church, but I think it's very difficult for us when we face those kinds of situations from within the church. It's almost like we can allow hurtful and insensitive behavior from non-Christians, but when it comes from Christians, we expect something more. We expect them to be godly and Christ-like. And yet all of us as believers are at different places in our journey with Christ. He is continually refining our rough edges and making us more and more into pure gold. And we all have those areas in which we're not a finished work. It's so important that we offer grace to those who are still a work in progress, just like we are. 
Since all of us as believers are going to face difficult Christians at some point in our lives, I want to offer you some truths from God's word that have really helped me gain victory when I'm facing the challenge of a hurtful or insensitive Christian in my life. Now, it's really never easy, but I know that it is possible, just like Corey Ten Boom discovered when she burned that letter of evidence against her friends who had done something so hurtful to her when she let it go, when she laid it at the feet of Jesus, she was set free. And so I know that the things others have done against me, I can be set free from as well, not by anything that I can muster up, but because of the power of God. So I want to share three biblical principles in the hopes that this will help you next time you are faced with a difficult Christian or a hurtful situation from a fellow believer. The first principle is to choose God's victorious love. There's some really powerful truths from Amy Carmichael where she was facing all the time the criticism of other Christians. She was pouring out her life in India, rescuing orphans, and really bringing about incredible social reform to the country, as well as bringing the gospel to these vulnerable children. And she had widows that she was ministering to, but she was a single woman just relying on the grace and the power of God for provision, for everything. And here were these wealthy, well-to-do Christians who just kind of always took pot shots at her, didn't think she should raise these children from a position of faith and wanted her to be more aggressive in raising money or wanted her to run her ministry differently, even though they themselves had never run a ministry like she was running. They were very critical and she had to deal with forgiveness issues a lot throughout her ministry. Here are a couple truths from her book, If, that I have found very helpful. If I say, yes, I forgive, but I cannot forget, as though the God who twice daily washes all the sands on all the shores of all the world could not wash such memories from my mind, then I know nothing of Calvary love. What a powerful statement. When we are saying, well, I can forgive, but I can't forget, I'm always going to deal with the memory of this person's insensitive words or actions. We are not giving God the credit that he is due. The God who can wash all the sand from all the shores in all the world twice a day, of course, he can wash those painful memories from our mind and redeem them so that we're not constantly hearing the enemy spin on what that person did to us. When it comes to forgiving and letting go, and loving those have been, who have been hurtful and insensitive towards us, we so often look to our own resources rather than to the power of Almighty God working in and through us to do what we could never do on our own. So when it comes to walking in His victorious love and forgiveness, we need to tap into His power and not our own. Darlene Deidler, I've talked about her many times on this podcast. She was an American missionary captured in Indonesia during the Second World War by the Japanese, and she and many of her fellow missionaries were captured, and they suffered tremendously together during the war years. She talked about when the war ended, how in all of the time that they had been living side by side in a type of situation that would have really brought out the worst in people. They were sickly and starving and diseased and constantly persecuted. They had no privacy, no personal space, many of them going through incredible loss and grief. And yet she said in all of those years, in the closest of associations, there had never been an unkind word or hurtful action between us as missionaries. They had committed their friendship to the power of God from the very beginning, and they constantly relied on him to love each other as they could not love in their own strength, but he could love through them. If God can do that in those relationships under those circumstances, I know that he can do that within our relationships with the fellow believers that we may struggle with right now. 
Now, remember, only the grace of God can accomplish something like that, but he can and he will do it through us if we allow him to. Amy Carmichael wrote this, is it not a strength to remember that when we feel our patience wearing thin, patience toward others is a gift to be had. We can easily get to the end of our own sweetness of spirit, but not to the end of God's. What an important reminder. And even in this recent situation where I felt this demeaning, critical attitude from this old friend, it's like, okay, I don't have the capacity to be sweet and loving and patient and forgiving and just let it go. But God does. I can get to the end of my own sweetness of spirit, but I'm never going to get to the end of his. And that's where we yield to his work of grace within us. So choosing that victorious love. Another principle is to remember that Jesus is your truest friend and he is always trustworthy. When other people have hurt you and let you down, it's easy to feel like you cannot trust anyone. And this is something that I've had to struggle with throughout my life where I'm thinking, okay, this person seems really genuine and really nice, but just wait, what are they going to pull? And that's not the attitude that God wants us to have towards fellow believers. We need to not put our trust in other people, but put our trust in him. The Bible says that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So even when others let us down and stumble and fall in the area of the way they relate to us, he never will. He will never let us down. He will never betray us. He will never harshly criticize us and be hurtful or insensitive to us. And what a comfort. It also says in the word of God that even if our mother and father forsake us, the Lord will remember us. So even if the hurt has come from within our own family, we always have that truest, most faithful friend in Jesus, and he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. When others let us down, when others disappoint us, he never will. So I encourage you to experience the faithfulness of the truest friend you will ever know in Jesus Christ. And don't put your confidence in other people, but put your confidence in him. Remember, even when others make mistakes, he is a God of redemption. You may not see the end of the story right away, but if you surrender that situation to him, he is a God of healing and redemption. And thirdly, embrace humility. When misunderstanding and false accusation and criticism and hurt and insensitive words come our way, it is very easy to want to rise up in pride and kind of lash back out or defend ourselves or just become very offended. I've been very encouraged by some of the lessons in humility that Amy Carmichael has drawn out in her books when it comes to being reproached by others, because it's an amazing opportunity to embrace humility. She wrote in her book, If, if I am perturbed by reproach and misunderstanding, if I cannot commit the matter and go on in peace and in silence, remembering Gethsemane and the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If the praise of man elates me and his blame depresses me, if I cannot rest under misunderstanding without defending myself, if I love to be loved more than to love, to be served more than to serve, then I know nothing of Calvary love. Now, it may seem unfair or even unwise to go on in peace and in silence when others are hurtful towards you, but it is really a privilege to share in a very small way in the fellowship of his sufferings because when he was falsely accused, when he was criticized, he opened not his mouth. And we have that opportunity to rest and leave it with God. Now, I do want to make a caveat, of course, if there's an abusive situation happening, this is not the time for silence. Please seek help in a godly way, of course, but seek help to intervene in any kind of dangerous or abusive situation. But if we're talking about simply in 
insensitivity and hurtful words and people who just don't quite understand, people who who criticize, who falsely accuse, who are selfish towards us. Are we willing to commit the matter to Jesus Christ and go on in peace and in silence saying, Lord, I leave this with you. I trust this to you. He has said that when we choose humility, he will lift us up. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. He will lift the gaze of our soul to heaven. He will make us unashamed. He will make us radiant as we gaze upon him. That is his way. So we've talked about embracing that victorious love, that enabling grace of God to forgive and love those who wrong us within the church. We've talked about understanding Jesus as the most trustworthy friend we can ever know that even when others let us down, he never will to put our confidence in him. And we've talked about embracing the humility that comes when we are treated insensitively by others in the church instead of lashing back and becoming arrogant and prideful toward them to just choose that path of the cross. And if God wants us to confront or speak or bring something to the service, he'll lead us in how to do that. doesn't mean we're always supposed to be completely silent if somebody has hurt us, but it does mean we are supposed to be completely at peace no matter what, and that our response should not just be a fleshly lashing back, but rather walking in the humility that says, Lord, I want to follow in your footsteps, even if other people don't understand, even if other people are hurtful, I know that you understand and you care at a deeper level than any human ever could care. So here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. If there are hurtful or difficult Christians in your life, ask God for the grace to lift your gaze beyond their faults and failures and see the value of their soul. Ask God to show you what role you might be called to play in their rescue and their redemption. It could simply be the fact that you respond in love and in humility rather than anger and pride. Though the enemy will often try to use difficult people, especially difficult Christians within the church, to distract us, to discourage us, or to frustrate us, we can turn the whole situation around when we yield to God and participate in His redemptive work. Dealing with hurtful Christians is not easy, but it is something that we can triumph through, through the power and the grace of God. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into bringing Christ into every aspect of your life, please visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.